home. We love your philosophy and the way you care about people. And it's a privilege to be here. We're glad we can be. Well, I don't know how good your Spanish is, but that's not really hard Spanish. It's, we, we are the 33 in the refuge. And you may have seen the movie that they made of this on, on television, but oh, seven, seven years ago, I think it was, there's some guys down in a mine in South America, and there was a mine collapse, and they were trapped. Okay? They were 2,300 feet under the ground, which is a long way. I mean, a, a foot would really be enough, wouldn't it? But they were 2,300 feet down, and that was only one of the problems. The way the mine was built, it was built with a descending spiral. And so it was, it was three miles back up, but they, they couldn't get there. They had two or three days of food for the 33 of them. And the mine owning, the company owned the mine, began to say, well, they knew where the, the refuge places were. They began to drill down. You know, are they here? Are they here? Are they here? And on the 18th or 19th day, after they'd made their two or three days of food last that long, uh, they drilled into the area where these guys were, and this was a note that came out. There's 33 of us here. And they wound up being underground for 69 days, uh, and, and they made it out alive. Let me read you what one of the older miners wrote. He said, All 33 trapped miners, practicing a one-man, one-vote democracy, worked together to maintain the mine look for escape routes, and keep up morale. We knew that if society broke down, we would all be doomed. Each day, a different person took a bad turn. Every time that happened, we worked as a team to try to help and keep the morale up. You know, we can handle just about anything as long as there's hope. But when, when hope evaporates, we're in trouble. Now, let me show you three different quotations here. Here's one from a, from a mystic, Thomas Merton. He says, you don't need to know precisely what is happening or exactly where it's all going. What you need is to recognize the possibilities and challenges offered by the present moment and to embrace them with courage and faith and hope. And then from a South African Nobel laureate, Dr. Desmond Tutu, he said, hope is being able to see that there is light despite all the darkness. Or from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who said, we must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. And just this array of, of religious writers all talking to us about hope. And I don't know if, if you came in here this morning needing hope or not. But I want you to know that it's Jesus' death that brings hope in this life. I can give you all the inspirational quotes from, from good people. That, you know, we can spend the rest of the hour. I, I Googled this. Do you know how many quotes there are out there on hope? But what I want you to do is go to the Scripture with me and consider the fact that Jesus' death brings hope in this life. Now, we need to go to the book of Romans chapter 5. Uh, if you're new to this, Okay, I'll tell you how to get there. There's a Bible in the pew in front of you. What's an old church word? What in the world's a pew? Sounds like something that you would... No, never mind, I won't go with that. <laughs> in the rack under the chair in front of you, the church where I found Christ as my Savior was 100 and, at the time 100 and, 
50-year-old church in upstate New York that did indeed have wooden pews in it. And they were uh, designed by people to torment others, uh, nearly as I can tell. These chairs are a better choice. Could have done the whole thing in oak, I realize, but the chairs are a better choice. Uh, if you have one of, those, one of those paper Bibles, not too sure where Romans is, the Bible has a table of contents like every other book you look at. Just go to the table of contents, go toward the, the second part of the Bible, the New Testament, and you will find about book number six, and there's the book of Romans. And catch the page number, go into chapter five. So really, all I'm going to do with you this morning is take a look at a passage of Scripture and see if we can come to a common understanding of it. And at the end, as we step out, say, I know where hope comes from, and I know how I can receive it in my life. Because you may have walked in here this morning with a someplace inside of you where you just said, I don't, I don't know how this is going to work. So let's read. And you can read along in your text, or you can take a look up here on the screen if you prefer. What I've got is I've got the NIV here in my hand. I've got a different Bible version on the screen because sometimes I find that comparing versions helps me. And some of you guys would know a foreign language, and you realize there's not, ordinarily there's not a word for word for word correspondence between the two languages. There's a couple different ways you could say it. And sometimes, especially nowadays, when you can get the Bible versions online so easily, I like to read my passage in, in a couple different versions so I can hear it in different ways. So we read here, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Okay, we'll stop there just for a second. Do you see that Paul's telling us that we have two things? Let's go to the next slide. We have two things. It says we have peace with God and we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Now there's more words there we'll think about in a minute. But let's for now just think about we have two things. Okay, Peace with God and access. The first word Paul uses is the word therefore a word of logical consequence. And if I were to say to you right now, therefore, stand up on your chair, flap your arms and squawk like a chicken. I'm reasonably certain that not a soul would do that. Because I have given you no logical reason to do that. And therefore means, I've told you this and this and this and this, add it up, what do you get? Well, whatever it was Paul had said, Therefore, it's now logical to realize that since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Well, Paul wrote this letter to the church in Rome in the 50s AD, a long time ago. And he started out in Romans chapter 1 saying, hey, I'm going to get to see you guys. He was over in the eastern Mediterranean. And his plan was to go start churches, evangelize people and start churches in Spain. Well, if you can get your, your grade 5 geography back in your brain, you'll realize that from the eastern part of the Mediterranean, if you were going to go west, you could stop by Rome on your way to Spain. He said, I'm looking so much, I want to see you guys. I, I want, to, want to share spiritual gifts with you because I want to talk about the gospel. And then for about the next 15 chapters, he got sidetracked. It happens to you too. He, he got sidetracked and began talking about the gospel. He was just so excited about what, what Jesus Christ did for people like you and me and how that makes an eternal difference in our lives. 
So when we step into Romans 5, evidently he's been saying some things that if we were to add it all up, we'd come to this conclusion. Since we're justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, and through Him, through Jesus, we have access by faith in this grace in which we stand. I want you to imagine that we could snap our fingers and go back to 55 AD and sit down with Paul and have some coffee. Now we're going to have some different people in the room, and you and I are going to be kind of observers for what's going on here. Okay, we're going to watch what's happening at the table with these people drinking coffee with Paul. And uh, so we're going to have a religious discussion. And Paul says to this one person sitting there, so what, what do you do? What's your faith? And the person says, well, do you see over there that statue? I made that. I carved that. And that is what I worship. He says, but that's, a, that's an image of a bird. Yeah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You made it. Who's more powerful? Who's wiser? The creator or the thing created? And the guy says, eh, I haven't thought much about that. Paul says, well, you think about this. Tonight, go outside, look up. What will you see up there? Things I didn't create. Right. Would they be things you could create? Uh-uh. I've had students try to do this, you know, like to create a term paper out of nothing. Doesn't work, okay? I mean, the best we can do, the best we can do is, is you know, pretty creative people. You look up. Huh. And Paul says, you're in trouble because the creator is the God who's watching your life. The Creator is the one who's determined truth and right and wrong. And you're busy worshiping something you made. Well, we notice the guy sitting right next to the first one got this kind of smug look on his face. He's smiling. Paul says, what are you smiling about? He says, I got this. He says, I know we're talking about right and wrong and good and evil. and I've got it. I've got to figure it out. I know what the standards are for right and wrong. Paul says, wow, that's cool. So let me ask you. Do you always do the right that you say you should do? And do you never do the wrong? Ah, uh, well, no. I've been known upon occasion to perhaps break a couple of those rules. You break your rules. You break what you say is right and wrong. Yeah? Bad news. If I was going to judge you by your rules, you fail. But you're going to be judged by what God says. You're going to be judged by God's word. Now the third guy is smiling. Because a third guy is an Israelite. And he has the very inspired word of God. The word of truth. God's word. And so Paul turns to him and says, so, are you smile about it? He says, yeah, yeah, I've got, got the word of God. Got the word of God. He says, so, stealing, is it right or wrong? Wrong. Do you steal? Well, maybe once when I was a kid. Well, you can tell the direction this is going, can't you? You've got the truth. You know this is right. You know what is absolutely You're not making up your own rules. You're not making up something for you to worship. You know what's right. And you're not following it. And Paul would say, you guys are in deep weeds. You're in trouble. Because you have managed 
to cross the line against the God of the universe. What are you going to do? Well, fortunately, Romans 1, 2, and 3 aren't the only thing that happens before Romans 5. Because Paul then begins to tell them what God has done. How God sent his son to die on the cross, shed his blood for sinners, and give sinners the opportunity to receive the gift of eternal life through what Jesus has done. How's that work? Well, that's that word justified right there. Because when you say, I believe what the Bible says, Paul dragged a whole bunch of Old Testament verses in there. I believe what the Bible says about my sin because I see it in my own experiences. But I believe that God loved me by sending His Son to die on the cross in my place and for my sins. I believe that. Well then, all the sin that would have kept you from God is now belongs to Jesus. And the righteousness that you and I couldn't achieve because of the little wrongs we've done along the way. Ours. Therefore, oh, since it's not of me, me, the one who breaks the rules, no matter what the rules are, therefore, since we have been justified, next slide please, by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not just religion, not spirituality, but the work of Christ. Next slide, please. We are justified by faith. Faith is trust. You know, faith is not hoping that God will do what He could do. When you and I get in a bind and we know that we need someone bigger, faster, stronger, smarter, and we know God is that. We say, okay, Lord, this has got to get fixed, and I, I, I want you to do it, man. I believe that since you can, you will. Well, you know what that is? That's me deciding something for the God of the universe and making him do it. And I am not well qualified to decide what happens in this universe. Instead, faith is living as though God will do what he said. You know, faith is where if I'm a sinner... I'm a sinner. That's what God says. If God says Jesus Christ died for sinners, well then he did. If God says that a sinner who realized what Christ had done needs to trust in that, I will. Therefore, have, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Now, this is not oh. I just feel so at peace. I'm so centered. I'm so focused. That's not, no, no. This is like when the God of the universe was going to judge you for your sins. And now because of the work of Christ, there's no war, there's no fighting, there's no enmity, there's no problem, there's only good between you and God. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace of God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So you see right away, it's the work of Christ to which we trust by faith. And that brings righteousness. When we go to stand before God, the righteousness of Christ is ours. And that's not all. Okay, that's not all. Because through Him, we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So that's great for the future when I go to be with him, whenever that is that I, I go to be with the Lord because I'm now justified by faith. But what about today? What about the problems I walked into church with today? Well, it's all by faith. 
You turn the page. See what else God has to do. Next slide. Next slide, please. What I want you to see as we move down through past verse 1 is that Jesus' death is going to show me how to live today. It's going to bring the hope. I live by faith rejoicing. We know that. We live by faith. I live by faith rejoicing. Next slide, please. He says, we rejoice or boast, same word, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God, and not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Next slide, please. Diane, I'd like to attest that we are indeed missing one slide here. Let's back up a slide. And for those of you who wonder, I did the same thing during the last service. Just so you know, we, we give you the same thing both times around. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God, and not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings. It says here, we boast in hope of the glory of God. We glory in our sufferings. Same word, twice. You say, okay, I got this. I'm justified. I'm declared righteous by faith. When I go stand before God, I'm set. Yes, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. When Paul wrote Romans in the 50s AD, he wrote Corinthians about the same time. If you've been here on Easter, probably someone has talked about the 1 Corinthians 15 and the resurrection of Christ, and that because at his resurrection, he gained what Paul called a glorified body, perfect body, and you and I will gain one too. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. One of these days we're going to be with the Lord. Righteousness is ours and the body's changed. Got it. But that's then. What about now? Not only that, we rejoice, we glory, we exult in our sufferings. Really? Do you see where I say we live by faith, rejoicing? So I got the first part, Jim. I'm not sure I got the second part. Next slide. Well, how's that? Because Paul tells us here, we rejoice, we glory in our sufferings, because we know suffering produces perseverance, endurance, stick-to-itiveness. Now, the word suffering is just a pretty general one. Okay, it's just pretty general. Any kind of outside pressure. Could be big, could be small. That's not the point. But when suffering comes to your life, and your first instinct is to say, maybe if you're like me, why? Why me? You think through your mental uh, list of people you don't really like very well. <laughs> why not them? But you can't give it away. So you say, well, I know I'm supposed to live by faith rejoicing. I was justified by faith, and I've received access by faith, the grace in which I stand. So Lord, just as there was a time I looked in the Bible to find what my need was for a Savior, turn the page. What else does it say here? What does the Word of God, the truth say, a believer should think, do, respond, when this kind of a suffering, boom, hits their life? Suffering produces endurance. Now, if you've been here for a while, you may know some people here, a brother or a sister in Christ, who has been through something terrible. Something terrible. And you look at them and think, man, they're strong. Yeah. But there was a day when they said, this is too much. I, I can't do this. There was a day when they opened up the Word of God and said, Lord, if this is going to be in my life, I, if I can't give this away, what do I do? 
and they built endurance. Next slide, please. And that endurance, Paul says, moves into proven character. You begin to know what you're made out of. You just keep on living by faith, rejoicing. What's the Word of God say? I'll do it. And that proven character, Paul says, produces hope. That's what we've been trying to get. That proven character produces hope. It's a hope that doesn't make you ashamed because all of a sudden the love of God is shed abroad in your heart through the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden you say, you know, I'm not there yet. I'm not with the Lord where all that righteousness will be mine and where my body's going to be changed. I'm still here. I'm still in the middle of the mess. But you know what? I am not who I was. I've been changed. There's reality in this life in Christ. I've been walking by faith and, and He has changed me. He's made me different. I'm, I'm, I'm more like my Savior than I ever have been. Some of you guys may have watched, uh, I've used that word guys advisedly, because if you watched it more than once, you probably were, uh, the Jason Bourne movies. Okay. My wife knows I have them. She's in some other room. You know the story. Matt Damon plays Jason Bourne. He's a, some kind of a covert agent, and he's an amnesiac. He has no idea who he is. Remember, he was fleeing from the police in Switzerland with that girl who he kind of hijacked along the way, Marie. They stop at a truck stop. And he says to Marie, who has a safety deposit box full of money and six passports and a gun? I come in here and the first thing I'm doing is looking for an exit. And she says, well, I see the exit sign. I'm not worried. But I can tell you the license plate numbers of all six cars outside. I can tell you our waitress is left-handed. I can tell you the guy sitting at the counter weighs 215. He can take care of himself. And I know the best place to find a gun here is inside that gray truck outside. And I know that I can run flat out for half a mile at this altitude before my hands start to shake. Why would I know that? How can I know that and not know who I am? And that can happen to us. We know all these pieces. We know all these things. But there's one thing missing that would make all that stuff make sense. And when the suffering comes to your life and when you can't get rid of it and when your life has been just dramatically changed and forever by it, why? 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 What? Is there no way out? What am I going to do? Suffering by faith with the knowledge of the future to come. Suffering by faith produces stick to perseverance, endurance. And perseverance, endurance by faith produces proven character. And proven character by faith gives you a hope where everything isn't fixed. Now, there's brands of Christianity out there that would tell you that, you know, unless you are grinning like a chimpanzee looking at a banana, you don't really understand Christianity. And the Word of God doesn't say that. The Word of God says we live by faith, rejoicing. Next slide, please. And just to keep us on target, Jesus' death provides security because it shows us what God has done in spite of what we really are. Read with me in verse 6. You see, at just the right time, just the right time, when we were still powerless, Romans 1, 2, and 3, 
Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I, I could buy lunch for you if I had a nickel for the times that someone had said to me when they were going through suffering, when they said, I know God loves me. What's the next word? Right. I know God loves me, but then they fill in with the circumstance they're facing in their life, and they can't figure out how that circumstance could be real and true, and that love of God could be real. But there's the security. Because we can go back in history, if we had a time machine, you know, the way back machine, we can go back in time, we go back to Jerusalem, 30 AD, walk outside Jerusalem to that hill, there would be the cross, Jesus on the cross, rough wood, we could see the blood, we could touch the wood. It really, really happened. This isn't just some religious nuts idea. This is history. Jesus Christ died on the cross in our place and for our sins and rose so we could walk in new life. Next slide. You know Johnny Erickson, don't you? Johnny Erickson Tata. She's been ministering for years. As a teenager, she dove into shallow water, broke her neck, and has been a quadriplegic nearly 50 years now. That's her husband, Ken. She talks about her wedding day. She says, I felt awkward as my girlfriends strained to shift my paralyzed body into a cumbersome wedding gown. No amount of corseting and binding my body gave me a perfect shape. The dress just didn't fit well. And then as I was wheeling into the church, I glanced down and noticed I'd accidentally run over the hem of my dress, leaving a greasy tire mark. My paralyzed hands couldn't hold the bouquet of daisies that lay off center on my lap. And my chair, though decorated for the wedding, was still a big, clunky, gray machine with belts and gears and ball bearings. I certainly didn't feel like the picture-perfect bride in the bridal magazine. I inched my chair closer to the last pew to catch a glimpse of Ken in front, and there he was, standing tall and stately in his formal attire. I saw him looking for me, craning his neck to look up the aisle. My face flushed, and I suddenly couldn't wait to be with him. I had seen my beloved. The love in Ken's face had washed away all of my feelings of unworthiness. I was his pure and perfect bride. And Johnny says it's easy for us to think that we're utterly unlovely, especially to someone as lovely as Christ. But he loves us with the bright eyes of a bridegroom's love and cannot wait for the day when we're united with him. And if you walked in here this morning with a heavier load suffering than you think you could bear, you are sure in the right place. I mean, the songs do you good. You can carry them through the week. But this place is full of, of people who know God and know his word. And uh, after the service, Pastor John is going to be up here. Pastor John will be outside. There's elders here. There's older believers here. And if you say, I believe I've trusted Christ as my Savior, but I have no idea what to do when someone's suffering like this, let's open a Bible. Let's find out. Let's find out how to live by faith rejoicing. Or if you come here this morning and and you're thinking, I think I'm one step short of, short of this, Jim. I think I'm still back in that first part of Romans where the guy's in trouble because he hasn't thought it all through. Well, we'd like to help you with that too. The, the church exists to help people know Christ and grow in him. And that's what we'd like for you to have. Jesus supplies hope for us. Let's go to the last slide. 
Jesus' death is what brings hope in this life. Would you pray with me? Lord, we've come here together not because we're so good, but because we're so needy. And we would ask that you would work in our lives this morning in a way that would really honor you. And we pray for people who may have come to church today just about at the end of the rope. And I would ask that they would gain the strength they need to live by faith, rejoicing. And for anyone who may have come today without the knowledge of justification, not righteous in Christ, bring that to them too. Lord, we thank you for the depth of your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jim, for that message.